We haven't entirely nailed down what element it is yet, but I'll tell you this, it's a lively one. Let's give your parents a call right now. Hello, welcome to episode number 42 of Gaming with the Moms. My name is Nicole Tanner. I am managing editor at Pixelkin.org and the mother of a three-year-old. Unfortunately, my other mom, Linda Brenneman, won't be joining us today uh, because she's not feeling well. Gaming with the singular mom. Yeah, singular mom. But we do have dad, dad Stephen Deutzman, who is editor and founder of Engaged Family Gaming. It's Deutzman, by the way, not to throw you on under the bus, but... (laughs) I'm sorry, It's all right. Leave it in. Leave it in, Simone. I'm totally down. Oh, I'm leaving it in. You know I will. (laughs) Yes, and our... uh, Amazing assassin audio coordinator, <laughs> Simone de Rochefort. I get in there and I kill those awkward pauses. All right. So let's get started like we always do with a little bit of news. So Amazon. Amazon has jumped into the video game industry, which they've been sticking their fingers in a little bit for a while. But they have just released their own engine called Lumberyard, which is free, free cross platform engine with embedded twitch functionality which is pretty cool and they're hiring like a billion people to work on it actually like 75 but you know (laughs) same difference (laughs) no difference whatsoever there um so yeah i looked i went to the site and kind of played around a little bit i am not a programmer in any shape or form so uh, i can't really tell you how good or bad it is uh but besides lumberyard they're also launching what they're called amazon game lift which basically is going to be helping gamers uh with the bat work of the back end of their multiplayer network which is super cool because i know from being married to a programmer that networking is a big pain in the butt mm-hmm. so yeah the paid version of lumberyard offers um amazon web services integrated which is great that being said I think it's kind of it's an interesting thing that they're doing now. I think it's a good idea in that I talked about this on Rocket last week, but um, launching gaming hardware, I think, is kind of a bad idea at this point. And we touched on that when we were talking about Leapfrog, because everyone knows what games they want to play. They want to play them on a Nintendo system or they want to play them on a PlayStation or they want to play them on an Xbox. They are not really looking outside of that sphere. So it's cool. It, it it makes more sense that Amazon is going the engine route rather than the new hardware route. Um, when I reviewed the Amazon Fire TV, I was really underwhelmed with the, the gaming selection on it, both in terms of just how the game is handled and how they were organized in the library and a lot of things. There were a lot of disappointments there in that sector. It's great for TV, not great for gaming. So, you know, that's not what they're focusing on here. But on the other hand, I'm not sure how this engine, what exactly the audience for the engine is. I know they are looking at, I think, college campuses, uh, trying to get people in on the ground level with this to make games um, as indie studios. AAA studios won't be using this. They usually do their own thing. And then established indie studios have a rich history of using Unity and Unreal Engine. And I think it's going to be very difficult to get to get them to look at something new and kind of abandon the existing the existing community and the existing language of working in Unity and Unreal and going over to Lumberyard, be that as it may, it may be very good. I don't, I'm not a 
programmer. <laughs> I know, either. Like, I know Unreal is free. I don't remember if Unity is free I believe or not. Unity is also now free, but hey, don't quote me on that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know for sure Unreal Just is free. Just listen to my words and then pretend <laughs> that I never said them. Yeah, so you need to uh, take everything that we say about how easy or hard these things are to use <laughs> with a grain of salt. And I didn't think to ask my husband beforehand what he thought of all this, which probably would have been helpful. <laughs> Sit him down and make him build a game in Lumberyard. The, the, um, it looks beautiful. Like they were, There are some pictures, um, I think it was in an Engadget article about it, pictures of environments that people had made in Lumberyard. And like the lighting is gorgeous. It It's really... Um, definitely a a powerful engine for creating beautiful spaces so yeah cool can't wait to see what'll come out of that we'll see we know that amazon games will be building all their proprietary games in lumberyard so there will be games out there that have been built in lumberyard um it just kind of remains to see be seen whether it will catch on outside of amazon games or not yeah amazon games up to up to this point too has been very very secretive yeah. about what they're doing they're super I, duper they're ramping everything up they just hired a guy that i know um named jeff grubb who wrote I th- it's the, some of the D novelizations um he has been hired as a senior narrative uh what designer officer something oh narrative officer <laughs> <laughs> that's alexis kennedy's title narrative person uh with amazon games so that yeah. they are definitely gearing up to do something big yeah uh, I, I know the, someone like, who who works there who's worked there for a good two or three years he was working there when we first moved up to seattle um so i'm really interested to see what it is that they're actually working on with all of these people doing all these things that we don't know anything about mysteries Uh, (laughs) yes mysteries um in other news the dice conference started today dice is a really really fancy gaming conference it's kind of similar to the academy awards so they have their award ceremony which is taking place tomorrow uh dice if you didn't know stands for design innovate communicate entertain so i mean that sounds pretentious in and of itself but anyhow they give awards um and then the people who make the the finalist list are voted on by peers in the game industry and the only finalists in there can only be from companies who are members of the interactive uh, arts and sciences. So you think that that narrows the field, but it doesn't really. Most of the major publishers are members anyhow. So, so yeah. So game of the year, obviously, which is the most important one. Assassin's Blood- Creed Syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that one wasn't even nominated. Yes. <laughs> Much to Simone's sadness, it wasn't nominated. Uh. <laughs> uh, so the the real finalists for Game of the Year are Bloodborne, Fallout 4, Ori in the Blind Forest, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. That's fine, I guess. Those are all yeah. games. Yeah, Witcher 3 has been cleaning up with all of these uh, awards. So interesting to me that Ori in the Blind Forest is in there. Ori in the Blind That's Forest cool. is amazing. Yeah. yeah. I tried playing it, but it got too hard for me, and that it makes me sad that I had to stop. I, if I had to guess, I was going to say, I say Witcher 3 will get it, just because it's been sweeping everything. And I wish, wish, wish that Rise of the Tomb Raider would get it, but I honestly, I don't think they will. Even though, even though they took away the, the Writers Guild uh, Award for story, uh, oh. Rihanna Pratchett, yeah. Oh, yeah, they and, did, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, that so. was awesome. Yeah, that was very awesome. So I don't know. We'll Good see. For them. I'm <laughs> reality is what you make of it. You know, I choose to 
<laughs> think that Assassin's Creed Syndicate also got. I should. I stop. Stop, Simone. You're you're going over overboard. I'm Did jumping you, the shark. <laughs> look at the um, list of these are actual games. nominees and pick yes. one. <laughs> Uh, Ori in the Blind Forest is something I really want to play. I unfortunately haven't yet because I don't have an Xbox and that is punishing me. I'm being punished for that decision. It's on PC. But, oh, God, Steven, my laptop is a decrepit hulk of rust and nightmares that will not run anything. Even when I beg and cry, I have sacrificed to the devil to get this thing to work and it refuses. It is stubborn and horrid. Okay. Well, if I'd, I'd loan you mine, but it, shipping Xboxes are huge, and that's like or far. Hit somebody over the head, like steal their keys, break into their house, download them a game, and play it. It's 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 worth it. I it, it, I mean, it's like the Dark Souls of platformers. I mean, <laughs> like because jail. of how hard it gets. But that that like Fiero moment, right when you manage to like get to the top of whatever nonsense it's just unmatched and it's also ridiculously gorgeous and the music is haunting to the point where like it's it's infectious i loved every minute that i spent with it yeah we used to listen to that soundtrack in the office on and off and it was always a sad and emotional day when that happened but it is just so beautiful like they really did a good job there it is yes which makes me sad i should come back into your house and play it nicole you were just at my house the other I know. day. I should have stolen your Xbox, just slid it in my purse and Yeah. It'll fit in your purse, sure. It's not that long. I mean, I don't know how long it takes for you to wear out your welcome, but you know. <laughs> I think the problem is that Anna would want to play with me and I would be there swearing, which I totally did when I when I was over at Nicole's house. I I dropped an F bomb and I was like, ugh. Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> Anna wanted you to go watch Octonauts with her. That's that was yeah. her main thing. So maybe she'd be jealous if I were playing Ori in the Blind Forest. She'd be like, "No, we have to watch Octonauts. Why are you playing this game that is making you say bad words? Why is Mommy's friends so weird and loud?" Tell her that it's <laughs> your own special kind of creature report. <laughs> yeah, she actually would have said most of that except for the this game makes you swear a lot. Honestly, <laughs> she would have said like why are you playing this? Let's watch Octonauts instead. Like, this is something that I hear from her a lot. So <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. So a, a bunch of these other ones, they're basically everybody that you would think for nominations in these. I don't think anything is, is surprising here. Was there anything that struck you guys as surprising? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I find surprising. <laughs> right. I really Some of the do, categories. Though. Oh, the categories, yeah. Some of the categories are a little weird, but I also think the mobile game of the year was a little off. The mobile games of the year nominees are Dominations, Fallout Shelter, Lara Croft Go, Pac-Man 256, and The Room 3. Pac-Man 256 was this year, really? Yeah. Oh my god, I feel like it's been 10 years. <laughs> I realize that's my my standard for measurement every time I'm not sure when something actually happened. <laughs> I loved Laura Croft Go. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I just think, uh, oh, well, first off, Lifeline was a thing, and that it bothers me that they ignored that. And, it, oh, wait, no, um, for, never mind. Alto's Adventure is what, what I'm angry wasn't included. I knew I was mad about this for some reason. <laughs> I couldn't, I have to close, I have to put my phone down, otherwise I'll lose an entire evening to Alto's Adventure. Have either of you played Alto's Adventure? I have not. What's it about? Yo, listen, let me <laughs> give you some knowledge. Alto's Adventure is the truth. It is a snowboarding game, and you wouldn't think that 
I would be, I'm not exactly snow, a snowboarder. However, the idea is it's a physics-based deal. You're controlling this guy as you fly down a mountain. Um, you pick up speed. And the idea is, is you go off these jumps. And by tapping the screen, you tuck your knees and you do backflips. Um, and the idea is you have to, like, complete challenges and keep going farther and farther and getting these coins. So you unlock new characters. And some of them tuck faster. Some of them... If Because if you hit the ground after doing a backflip, you get, like, this speed boost that lets you punch through rocks. So some of these guys can do that farther. And you're trying to catch llamas. Mm-hmm. What? Okay. Because um, <laughs> it's in Mexico. So you're trying to catch llamas. And so it is super zen. The soundtrack is actually, you know, like, it's it's one song that just plays over and over again. Um, and it's played, like, in a silhouette, right? So, like, eventually it gets dark, and it's just all shadows. It's absolutely gorgeous. It is not, it, well, if it's, it is free to play on Android. On iOS, it's, like, $2.99. It's, one of the, it's interesting, because it's one of the first games that I've seen diverge, where they don't use the same pricing structure. They switch it to free to play because they assume that everyone on Android was just going to steal it anyway. But it's worth the three bucks. I mean, that's less than a burrito. That makes it a good, that makes it a well-priced mobile game. And it's amazing. I don't know. I'm a big fan of burritos. <laughs> yeah, she's a big fan of leaving them in her desk overnight and then eating them the next day. I don't have a desk anymore. I have to put them in a drawer. You know, <laughs> got to stick them right in there with my underwear. <laughs> so this conversation just got super weird. <laughs> Oh, there's something I was going to say about the price divergence. Uh, Oh, yeah, I found in, like, kids' apps, there's a huge price divergence from the iOS version, the Android version, and and the Windows Store version. Like, some of them are completely free on the Windows Store, um, and then they're, like, a buck ninety nine on Android or like three ninety nine on iOS. Oh. It's it's really kind of weird, but I think that it's free on the Windows Store because they're like, hey, we're on the Windows Store. People, please download. <laughs> Pay or attention. There, we're like, what the hey? We're not going to lose any money because no one's going to download it. So you know, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of <laughs> thinking there. Um, let's do some quick some quick quick mentions of news here for for everybody. So you can now register for Me Tomo which is Nintendo's first mobile app, which is coming out next month. Yay. Yay. We talked about it a little bit on the podcast and it's whole, you know, Cyrano de Bergerac type thing going on there. (laughs) Um, But if you pre, well, I guess it's pre-register is what they're calling it. If you pre-register, you will get some platinum points for the new My Nintendo reward system. Unfortunately, they don't tell us how many platinum points we'll be getting. So maybe it's one, maybe it's 5,000. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can you can do that now. I think if you just go to like mitomo.com, that will take you to the place where you can register. And uh, a cool story that I just read about like right before we were recording this podcast is there was a study that was done um, over in England with VR. Uh, they found uh, that VR could be used to treat depression. And I think that the way that they did this was really, really cool. So they focused on one symptom of depression, which is kind of self-critical behavior. Mm -hmm. And so they put you in the VR thing and they they have a, a child in front of you who is upset. And they tell you just, you know, talk to the child and see what you can do to, like, get them to calm down. And, you know, eventually the, t- the child calms down. And then they reverse the roles. And you basically see your avatar saying the same things to you 
that was said to the child. And that just like makes so much sense. I was like, these people are brilliant. Um, It was a real um, small sample size. It was just the study was just a proof of concept. But um, I really hope that they they go on with this because it makes so much sense to me. That's actually amazing. Yeah. I always see that piece of advice uh, just online. I mean, floating around on Tumblr, like whenever you're self-critical or negative to yourself, like imagine going back and saying that to yourself as a five-year-old and it just totally puts it in perspective. So, I mean, using that actually in virtual reality is such a good idea. Yeah. Not to, I mean, as much as I'd like to believe that video games can perform magic, I don't know. I mean, it sounds so great. I just, I mean, well, it's not actually a game. It's just an experience. Oh, I know. know. Well, technology, you know what I mean? It, It, I'm reserving my I'm, I'm, I'm full of wistful hope, but I'm, you know, part of me is like, this is a sample size of 15 people. I certainly wouldn't call it a cure all, but I do think that using technology um, for that purpose and exploring what it can do is a really good idea and something that people I hope people will focus on moving forward as we as we come into the, the age of virtual reality. Yeah, I mean, and they they completely in their in their written study, they say this is small sample size. Um, Basically, you know, with the way the studies work, you have to you have to have this proof of concept thing. Like you can't have an idea just way out of the blue, like people before they give you funding for the next thing they want to see if there's actually something to this. And their results said, yes, there's something to this. So hopefully they will be studying it more. It just sounded super cool to me. So what has not sounded super cool to me. I still, I'm, I'm in awe that this is actually happening. So there have been people who have downloaded, played and enjoyed Firewatch, but are asking for refunds (laughs) on steam because the game was too short. Yeah. Somebody else want to jump in here before I start yelling. Sure. (laughs) So let me ask you a few, let me ask you a few questions. Is this, are they asking for refunds because it is too short or are they asking because they, they feel that its shortness is a commentary on its quality or are they asking for refunds because they can within the confines of the steam refund program? Like they were happy, but they're like, Hey, I've got X, you know, I can, you know, cause I think it's 10 hours, right? As long as you're within that or is it, how long is it? It's, I believe two, two, two hours. To three. Yeah. Firewatch is two to three hours long. Two hours is the steam cutoff. So if you've played a game less than two hours, you are within your rights to ask for a refund. Is it so short that they can ask for a refund and steam doesn't have any way of kind of curtailing that? Or are they actually complaining that it's too short or is it both? There have been a few there different um different approaches <laughs> to this thing uh, i've seen some people ben kuchera's article on polygon actually uh col- collated some tweets from people who are asking about firewatch refunds and one person was wondering if they could speed run it in less than two hours and get a refund in that way others were saying it's just it's short and they not that they had played it for less than two hours, but just because it was so short, it wasn't worth $18 specifically because a lot of games of that length cost around $15. That, I believe, was the point of the person who um, made the um, post in the forums who enjoyed the game uh, and was considering asking for a refund because it was three hours long and cost $18, whereas most games of that length cost around 15 or less, uh, which makes me 
on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I just, uh, to me, I, I, you know, granted, I, I live a nice life. To me, 18 bucks, like, really? Because, like, if you think of that in terms of the larger scale, it's like a third of the cost of a AAA game, which could mm-hmm. very much be uh, short as well. Um, and also, oh, it's just like quantity over or quality over quantity, people. Like, seriously, this game has gotten great reviews all over the place. Everybody I know who's played it has loved it. And it just it just makes me so angry that people could would do this. And now, honestly, I'm I'm going to, you know, say my bias here. A lot of the times I come from the developer side because I am married to a developer. And at mm-hmm. one point I did PR for an independent developer. So here's my here's my uh, disclosure. My husband works for 343 Industries, which is a studio of Microsoft that makes the Halo games. So there. <laughs> If you don't want to listen to me, fine. But um, these developers, they work, they work their butts off. And it's so, so irritating that someone's like, yeah, I played this game. I like it. But yeah, it's but it was short. short. Like, yeah, I want my 18 bucks yet. Like, seriously, well, like, it just drives me nuts. Okay, someone else. It talk. really is a weird entitlement thing. And I, I hope, because uh, I, I have not personally gone into the... I've not, like, searched Firewatch Refund on Twitter. I don't know what the actual stats are. So I don't know how widespread this actually is. But it did become news because the the person who enjoyed the game and wanted a refund, the developer actually, one of the developers actually responded to him and was like, I won't hold it against you, but here is our perspective on this. Here, like, we could have had cushy jobs in bigger companies that w- with stability. And we chose to work in a tiny office and make this game because we wanted to make it. And we thought that this was a fair price. If you don't agree, I'm sorry. And that's your prerogative. But this is where we're coming from. It was a, <laughs> it was a really nice response. It was a lot less aggressive than I just phrased it. <laughs> because yes. I was reading it going... Are you kidding me? Like, I mean, and and again, the person who made this comment was very polite in their wording of it, uh, asking if they should consider getting a refund. But I literally don't even understand how this comes up. Like, there, I'm sure there are games that I have bought in Steam sales that I I regret buying, and I I shouldn't have spent that money on them. But you know what? That I made a mistake. I, I bought something I didn't want. Uh, if I go buy a package of hostess donuts donut holes at the store and decide oh god this this was a freaking mistake (laughs) Uh, i'm not gonna go return them because i changed my mind or maybe i don't know like it's such a weird there weren't weren't enough donut holes in the in the box that was the problem and and yeah and in that case i think you would be justified in asking for a refund because that you know they promise you 18 holes if you only have 15 holes that, um, you know, there was a mistake in packaging there. But on the other hand, food isn't a game. And I think if you, you're enjoying that experience and exper- enjoying that story that's being told to you, making it an hour longer or so or even half an hour longer just doesn't make sense. Because that's, I mean, as a writer, that's not how stories work. Yeah. If, if the story is being told in the satisfying way like it's gone through edits it's gone through tweaks you know it's been it's been built into this arc there should not be room to pad it out it should be a complete story arc and it should be satisfying no matter how long it is um and if it feels too if it if it's too long it drags that's that's how stories work yeah uh the example that ben kuchera gave was you know if he went and saw deadpool and laughed for two hours 
he's not going to ask for his $7 back because the movie should have been an hour longer, which like makes sense. Like, you know, you're enjoying the game. You're getting your money's worth. Um, And if you don't want to spend $18 on a game, don't spend $18 on a game. Yeah. Like, it's weird to me that, I mean, the, the Steam refund policy exists so that people can return games that are broken. But of course, there are some bad eggs out there who will just return games because they change their mind about having bought them. And I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there should be like a resale policy for, for people who like if you have played a game and change your mind like that you can gift it to someone or something or mm-hmm. sell it to someone. I don't know. I have thoughts and feelings on this one. So I kind of see both sides. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to wait so that I didn't interrupt because I didn't want to because I, I want to say I kind of get where some of those guys are coming from. And part of that is that I used to be one of those dudes, not like one of those dudes. So, but I mean, one of those guys, because th- <laughs> those dudes are abhorrent. I mean, one of those guys that would look at my $60 and would try and squeeze every hour of game out of it that I could. Right. And I used to devalue games that were shorter. I just looked at Ben's article. Ben is really good at uh, and he has been good at this since he was at ARS Technica. Um, he is really good at expressing opinions and thoughts and you know, I, I have huge respect for him. The comparison between Deadpool and a video game is not valid. And the reason that I don't think it is, is while they are both art, and as much as I love Deadpool, the issue is movies have always had like an acceptable, like this is what a movie is, right? You go, you sit for a while, remember? I mean, it wasn't until what, Titanic, that movies were allowed to be longer than two hours. It used to be like 90 minutes. That's it. That's the accepted formula. Movies are actually getting longer. Um, and and there has never been a issue of, you know, per, and, and movies have not had to deal with the issue of like cost versus perceived value. They've never been valued differently. Whereas video games, because we went through the 16-bit era where that was absolutely a selling point, they used to put how long the game was on the back of the box. Like, hey, Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy III, this is 40 hours of gameplay. And they used to sell it based on that. We had a whole industry that was built around the idea that you could spend $50 or however much. Back then it was even more, right? And you could get this 40, you know, this this month of entertainment. And now we've moved into the, you know, obviously we can the the market can bear different games right can bear different kind of products and experiences and so i totally get why firewatch is short you're right it's a concise it's a shorter experience I certainly can understand its value. I think we're, we're dealing with the fact that there is a sea change that is happening. There are a number of sea changes happening in the video game industry that um, some of them are going to be slower than others. And I think the idea of games being short, being something that takes away their value, that, that's something we're going to have to deal with. I mean, I, I, I want to use uh, Metal Gear Solid, uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance as a good example. Not a good example for a family gaming podcast, but it's a game that like Metal Gear games historically have been like crazy long and insane, right? This game was heavy on the insanity, but the game was six hours long and you paid $60 for it. And the story mode is 60 60 bucks for six hours. And a lot of people criticize that game and it was panned if you read some of the reviews for being too short. So I think consumers who are not necessarily as 
connected as, say, like us or, you know, other critics, I think it's tough for them. I, I can't necessarily say I blame them because we see games that get that are too short get slammed. I mean, if he wants to pay nothing and pay infinity, I mean, I tell him to go play Smite or League. Right. Or Dota. I mean, I don't want to make Mitch Dyer mad. The Dota police. So, like, you know, it, it it's this weird spot. I don't know. I've been rambling and I apologize. I didn't want to I don't want to be that guy. But it I kind of see where they're coming from. I think part of this is the you hit it on the end, Simone, the idea of maybe this refund policy as it's written is kind of stupid because you shouldn't be able to return something that you enjoyed. I used to work at a blockbuster video and we would have people go home, watch the movie and come back three hours later and say it didn't work. (laughs) And it's like, bro, like it's not even rewound. And yes, I just dated myself. I worked at a blockbuster video before they had DVDs. (laughs) I totally see your point. And I think that you're totally right that it it is a a cultural thing and it's something that that we have to deal with. And what you're making me think of immediately is just the fact that, you know, I can buy um, this happened to me over the holidays, actually. You buy Assassin's Creed Unity for $60 in 2014 and then... A year later, it is on sale for like $20. That is the the depreciation is ridiculous with video games and they cost a lot to make. And but like the way that we price them is still very, very inconsistent, not necessarily inconsistent because I mean, most tip most AAA games cost $60 and then most smaller games cost maybe I don't know, 20, 25, something like that, 30. Um, But I I feel like we're still kind of figuring out what the value of a game is over the course of its life. We're still trying to figure out what the value of a game is dependent on its length. And no one has quite come up with the the a good answer to that. And part of it is because I think consumers don't value what it takes to make a game and um yeah, yeah, the hard work that goes into making a game and how what how that translates to its pricing. We kind of yeah. talked about that uh, last week with the whole Kickstarter conversation. Like, right. we have a very loose understanding of how much it costs to make a game and how much we should be paying for it. Yeah, I guess something that I think maybe could work, even though it's you know kind of sucky to have to make developers do this, is kind of uh, they could say you know on their box or you know their description on Steam or whatnot. The what what they estimate to be the time that would be gotten out of that game, and then well, but that's what reviews are for, right? Like <laughs> that's why we exist. Well, imagine if then somebody like in this case speed run it, speed ran it, yeah, <laughs> speed ran it, and then was angry that it didn't match up to that estimate. I, I think I've seen people actually being angry about estimates of games. Like, oh, they said it was going to be ten hours long, but it was only like seven. I'm furious. Yeah, Which, I mean, that is a pretty big difference. But on the other hand, I don't know. For me, at least, I, I totally understand that um, length, like wanting to invest yourself in this fictional world and enjoy it for the maximum amount of time that you can get that enjoyment out of it. I, I totally understand that impulse. For me, I'm not sure it would ever really occur to me as long as I had enjoyed my experience fully, um, no matter how long it was. Like, I actually really look forward to games that are short. And this is getting off topic because it doesn't matter. I, you know, I would I would never ask for a refund anyway. But for me, a game that's like, oh, my God, I can only I only have to spend two or three hours playing this and I can finish it. That is 
a selling point for me because I am very bad at finishing things. It is yeah, hard for absolutely. me to find the time. Uh, I am the same way. I haven't even started Fallout 4 yet because of the <sighs> incense, you know. I didn't even buy it. <laughs> I didn't even buy it. And I wanted to I wanted to play Xenoblade Chronicles X. I had it pre-ordered um, and I was going to review it for my site and everything. And I canceled my pre-order. And I said, nope, mm. not going to do it. Can't. <laughs> no time. No time. Yeah. One thing that I want to bring up too with this is like the whole $18 thing. I think Steven, you, you made an example last week, which I think was really good about like, if you're giving 20 bucks for a Kickstarter thing, and that's the difference between you putting gas in your car for a week, then maybe you shouldn't be playing games. So, you know, I think that that applies. You should be playing Hearthstone. (laughs) Right. Exactly. There's tons of free games. There's tons of free games. Like if you're broke and that's legit i get it i i mean there are weeks where i'm struck you know where i've struggled right like mm-hmm. too much month at the end of the money is is a thing for a huge portion of the population there are free games i will tell you all about smite my friend right <laughs> and i will hook you up you can be you can be zeus and punch people with lightning forever <laughs> yes there, yeah that's a really good point we are super lucky to have so many free games out there yes um, so many good free games. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like some of the free games, like I've said on this before, I love Hearthstone. I have paid, I have probably spent 25 to 30 bucks on that game because I love it. And I feel so bad to just love it and not give anything in return. Like it just feels mm-hmm. like stealing to me. Anyhow, so let's move on to some other stuff. Uh, and all, if you're listening, you know, this Firewatch thing can be... Uh, I guess, uh, you know, love it or hate it type thing. So if you're listening and you've got some comments on that, please send those to hello at pixelkin.org. So now we're going to move into something that is, I guess, maybe a little less inflaming, probably. And that's toys. <laughs> toys. Toys are great. I love toys. Yes, we all love toys. Um, there's going to be new Halo toys and new Destiny toys. So... Destiny, this is the first time that the official Destiny toys are getting, and they're uh, being released by Mega Bloks. I saw those toys. Oh, you did? Yeah, okay. you were at the Toy Fair, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, sorry, me, fi- sorry. let me finish the new story first, and then Steven's going to get to go. Um, so Destiny is getting toys for the first time. Uh, by They're released by Mega Bloks. If you know anything about Mega Bloks, you know that they have the license to practically every single game there is and make toys on them. And then... The Halo on the Halo toy front, um, they've signed like a much uh, bigger licensing agreement with Mattel. Before it was just Mega Bloks, but now it's going to go into all these different things like action figures and remote control cars and like all that kind of stuff, which uh, sounds super cool. And so, Steven, Steven went to Toy Fair. He saw some cool stuff, including the Destiny toys. What did those look like, Steven? I mean, they look like things from Destiny. I mean, what's interesting is they they looked exactly like I expected them to. There was nothing really particularly special about it. It's it's interesting to me that well, I guess it, there's Halo toys, so it doesn't really. I, I think there's going to be some brand confusion because we in the video game world knew there was a difference between Destiny and Halo, but like man, like mom, right. who doesn't know video games, is just going to be like, oh, robot dudes shooting alien dudes, and th- they're just you know, and that, that's fine. I mean, I don't think a kid's going to really care too much, but they they look like Destiny toys, man. I mean, for all better or worse. We can look forward to like kids making their Master Chiefs make out with their warlocks. I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
man. Now, I don't know if that's exploring that is... the human body by mashing if... your master chiefs <laughs> with your warlocks. I'm gonna say I don't know if that is better or worse than the whole teabagging thing that you can do in Halo. You could do that too with your <laughs> with your toys. Recreate the video game experience. Right. That's, by mashing. That's, that's gonna be on Instagram. <laughs> Hopefully on, I don't know, my personal Instagram. I'm sure it's already on Instagram, let's be honest. What else did you see, Steven? Oh, man. Um. So, all right. So, I spent most of today, uh, I took the day off from my day job so that I could write all my recaps. So, let me bring up what I did. Um... So there were three things that you guys care about. I saw a whole lot of board games. I'll save you. We'll talk, I'm sure we'll have a board game time towards the holidays. Um, but so I th- saw three things that you guys care about. Um, the first was I saw the new ColecoVision, yo. <gasps> oh, my God. And so here and I went hands on with it, Simone. I played a game on the Coleco Chameleon. And I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I was super duper skeptical. Nicole, I sent her an email like I like pseudo like soft pitched to 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 the editor over there. Like, hey, you know, go to Toy Fair. Did you care? And I was like, yes, go see this thing and see how stupid it is. (laughs) And I said in air quotes, I was like, I'm going to go see this ColecoVision thing in air quotes. They were and she said and and Nicole appreciated the use of air quotes because both of us were like, man, we've been around the block. We've seen this thing before. This device has already failed on Indiegogo once. And it was at it was being unveiled officially at Toy Fair in a 10 by 10 booth (laughs) next to 3D printers. And it's and so like I was super duper skeptical, um, but I had some time in between appointments. I'm, I was there was no way I was missing it. Um, so in between appointments, I went over there. I wanted to have an appointment immediately afterwards so I would have an easy and not rude escape hatch in case it was really bad. Um, and you know what? I ended up canceling my second my appointment um, and rescheduling it because I am way less skeptical now. Um, there's something to be like. So. I thought that they were going to be trying to create this, you know, they're certainly not trying to create the fourth pillar. He's really pushing towards creating a product that has a place with like the homebrew community and really trying to get in touch with like retro gamers um, and just kind of because there is a huge retro gaming community um, that, you know, there are people that still make SNES games and print and have them manufactured on SNES cartridges. And so he um, it was it was a very interesting conversation that I had with him. It's also the guy who is making the Coleco Chameleon is also the same guy who runs Retro Gamer magazine. Oh, right. Wow. Well, yeah, he knows what he's doing. So the biggest question I had for him is what am I going to be playing on this thing? Because all he had was there were like two games in the demo. One of them was like a side scrolling shooter that controlled like a side scrolling shooter from 1993. Um, And, you know, whatever. Um, And so they have three ways they're getting games. They're reaching out to the homebrew community and finding all those people that are making games that they're releasing on on SNES carts and Genesis carts right now um, and working with them to port the software over. Um, they are like Double Fine has apparently contacted them for a dev kit. Uh, Primo, the company that made Chariot or is it Prima? Prima? Prima, uh, Prima, F-R-A-M-A. Prima? Yeah. Okay. 
Good enough. All right, so they've asked for a dev kit. Now, obviously, asking for a dev kit doesn't mean that they're going to produce games. Um, the opportunity cost for asking for a dev kit is relatively low, but that means that there is at least some interest. Uh, Yacht Club has talked to them, but they didn't ask for a dev kit yet. Um, they're kind of busy, though. Um, and the other piece is he has this guy who owns a company who is working to resurrect licenses for video games that were on the SNES and Genesis that never made it to the United States. Um, that were released maybe in Japan or Taiwan or China and localizing them and bringing them to the United States. Now, some of the, one of the games that they are bringing um, is called like Iron Commando, he said. And he said that that's a collector's cart right now that anybody that wants to play it either has to steal it online or pay $500 to play the SNES cart. Um, and they're really playing a Famicom cart. Um, because it was released in Japan only. So he's really like trying to get like this really interesting set of stuff. Um, the controller is amazing. It's basically, it's the Wii U Pro controller. It's not, but it is. And and that's a nice controller. It's really fun. Um, I it's There's going to be a Kickstarter at the end of this month. It's going to retail for about 150 bucks. I I I, I kind of want one, guys. Yeah, I mean that's a good price. Um, I my and it sounds like he is looking at some really interesting stuff. My opinion about new hardware still stands, although I guess in this case it's my opinion about old hardware. But no, I'm I'd be really interested to hear what you think of it when when you get your hands on it again. My skepticism kind of came. I didn't quite understand, I guess, what it was that they were going for. Like I heard the whole retro game thing, and the first thing that popped into my head is why would I want to buy a machine if I can play it on an emulator? But I didn't realize the whole thing of kind of the the new wave of people making retro like games to be on there. So that makes a little bit more sense to me. To my understanding, he's going to be sending me a unit. Cool. So I'll have hands-on impressions with myself and my kids once he does that, which is crazy. But he saw family gaming on my site. And that's like a big piece of what they're doing is he's trying to focus on getting games that are appropriate for families to play together, which is unique in the console world. Even Nintendo isn't family only because, you know, Bayonetta was a thing. Um, so <clears throat> so I went from the ColecoVision. My next appointment after that that I didn't cancel was with an app enabled smart duck. <laughs> oh, what, is, what, do you, what do you do with a smart duck? What do you do with that? Well, let me tell you, not only is not and not by by duck, I don't mean like regular. I mean, like a rubber duck, like, you know, like a rubber ducky, like that thing Ernie sings about. OK, so you ask what you can do with this. My answer to you is everything. <laughs> um, This thing is super cool. It's already in stores. Actually, oh, wow. you can buy it in uh, uh, in the Apple store or in Best Buy. I encourage both of you to I don't know if either of you go to retail stores anymore. Never. I don't leave my house. All right, so well, that somehow that doesn't shock me. Um, I love you. Um, in a in a totally sarcastic and condescending way. Did that come through? Yes. Good. I'm trying to not be creepy. Um. All right. So this duck. First off, my first question to the dev team, because this this guy and his and I don't know and and his his this his lady friend. Um. I asked them. So, who, by the way, is amazing at uh, Flappy Bird. That's her claim to fame is what she told me. Um, I asked them how much alcohol was consumed in the production and, and like design of an app enabled smart duck. And they said not a lot. But um, what what it is, is it's a learning tool. It's a learning tool. 
Uh, it's a learning toy. What it does is it is um, it's a regular rubber duck. You can use it in the tub. It has lights in its head, so you can use it as a um, nightlight. It does not overheat, so you can put it in bed with your kid. And the idea is it's from ages zero to nine. They're using a rubber ducky because everybody loves rubber duckies. And the idea is if you have if you give it to your child early and they have fun bath time with it and then they have it in their bed and it's their it plays lullabies for them and it keeps them warm at night or not warm at night, safe at night because it's got bright lights. Eventually, they'll have an emotional connection with it and they'll be very happy. And eventually it will teach them math Mm. and they'll be super happy because it's used as essentially a motion controller for a series of iOS apps that all feature the duck in it. So eventually, you know, there's one where there are storybooks where they'll say, okay, and he won a race and his friends are all throwing him in the air. And when you do the throw, you actually toss the duck in the air and it has a gyroscope in it. So it knows it's being thrown. And so you have to like do the things and read the words. And then there's a shape sorting game. So it's like, find me the red shape. And it's like, if it's the red one, you tap it on one wing or you, you know, push its beak because there are buttons there, basically. It's way cooler than it has any right to be. Um, I spent most of Toy Fair sending people at the various booths that I went to to go look at Edwin the Duck. (laughs) That's what it's called. Shout out to Edwin the Duck. Uh, at Ed, it's at Edwin the Duck on Twitter. Um, It's $99. That's the only downside. It is expensive. However, um, I kind of think it's worth it if you are... Again, if if $100 is going to make or break you, then clearly you should not be buying a smart duck. Um, However, I think it's really kind of neat. And... It's an if you I don't know if you guys have Ikea's out there, but like Ikea (laughs) makes a line. Okay, I don't. All right, good. Okay, so they have a line of like silicon night lights, like squishy night lights that you can put in your kid's bed that are like twenty dollars. So if you were in the market, if you would have bought one of those because your kid needs something like that, then better buy the duck. It's and have like then you may as well buy the duck. Yeah. and th- it's also a tub toy and it, there are no holes on it. So it doesn't get water in it. It doesn't squeak like that. Um, but you can control it. it, it it's the, the tech on it is very subtly awesome. I was a huge fan. I kind of want one. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know how else to describe it. That's cool. I hope that you get it. I mean, maybe they'll send you <laughs> since you sent so many people their way. Maybe they'll send you Edwin the Duck. Yeah. That would be amazing. If I do get that, there will be a thorough review on my site, and I will be sure to have Nicole cross-post it or something, because it'll be worth it, because it's a smart duck. Um, The third thing, also super cool, is called Bloxels. You can go to uh, uh, www.bloxels.com. What it is, is it is a video game creation system um, that is all done with an iPad. And the idea is it comes in a pizza box shaped box that has this black, uh, kind of grid in it. And each hole, like each, each square in the grid is just the right size to put a colored cube in it. And what you can do is use it to create pixel art. So you can create 
there's multiple layers to this. You can create your character using that pixel art. You can also use that to create the individual blocks through which you're going to create your levels. And then you can actually use it kind of zooming out even farther to create the levels themselves. So you put a green block down and that's going to be a platform or you put a red block down and that's going to be a hazard. A purple block might be an enemy. A yellow block is a, a power up and so on and so forth. And you can actually create your game screen by screen and put them together and then edit them a la Mario Maker. Wow. Uh, with a with a touch screen on your finger. And then you can play it. Um, and then if you like your creation, you can upload it to their infinity wall. Um, and if you don't like your game, but you just like making pixel art, you literally never have to create a game. You could just make pixel art and upload it to the infinity wall. And they have some absurd number. You know how it is. Like they have a beta and they say there were three million monsters killed or whatever. And the beta was like two hours long. You've seen you, we've seen those news reports. They said there's just some absurd number of um, things already up on the infinity wall based on the number of people using it. There are plenty of people that that's all they do is create it. And there's some people that don't do any of the pixel art creation at all. They just take characters right offline and animate them and put them in because you can animate them too. You can give them run animations. You can give them attack animations. It's super cool and it fits in a pizza box. Nice. It's uh, $49.99. I think it's only available online right now. They were negotiating with some retail because that's why you go to Toy right. Fair. Um, it feels like a very Target type, you know. Yeah. Like, I don't know that it fits in Walmart, but it's definitely like in a high-end tech kind yeah. of thing. Uh, Did you say when the release date is? It's already yeah. out. It's already out. You okay. can buy it now. Oh, yeah, it's just it's not out. in retailers yet. Yeah. Okay. But you can buy it direct from them right on Bloxels.com. I recommend it to anybody that has a kid that wants to be a game designer mm -hmm. um, like mine. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't have Mario Maker then uh, I think this is a reasonable, if you have an iPad, this is a reasonable uh, alternative. Yeah. A couple years ago, I got my husband these uh, Siftio cube things that you can program to do different colors and whatnot. And I thought it would be a great thing for him to do with Anna. And he did make a little like color game on them. Uh, but I think they stopped supporting them, which was really sad. And he also stopped, you know, has not had time to actually program anything like that. So, um, that was that was kind of unfortunate. Of course, you know, I bought it when Anna was like a year old. So obviously she cannot partake in any of the brilliance that my husband would put in these blocks. You're so, really getting in on the ground floor with that I one. I know. We just we, we do this all the time. Like I buy things and, you know, think that she's I mean, and she, she is. She's very uh, she's very smart and uh, she's very articulate compared to other kids her age. And so we get this in our head or at least I do, and I see something like, she could totally do this. And then I buy it, and it's like, no, no, it's really kind of old. Like, I bought her Goldie Blocks when she was two. And, uh, yeah, you need kind of really good fine motor skills to play with those things. So, yeah, so I went overboard when I bought the Siftio Cubes. But, you know, there was a color game involved. <laughs> someday, someday, someday you will no longer butt up against the limitations of her motor skills. Yeah. Hopefully. And patience. Okay. Um, so you know what? We were going to talk about um, an, another special topic here, but we have actually, we're almost running out of time. So I think we're going yeah, to skip that for today and go into our what we've been playing segment. Simone, what have you been playing? Hey, gosh, again, I, I've been very bad. <laughs> I have been doing other things. 
ones. But I, okay, I did watch a movie. I'll talk about a movie. Yes. I'm so sorry. Go for it. <laughs> I watched Push with Chris Evans and Dakota Fanning, which is a very, um, it's actually really enjoyable, but it was not well received. So it's a movie with where there are people who have superpowers. They're called specials. And there's an evil government agency who's trying to control them and corral them in certain ways. And they're hunting down Dakota Fanning and she can see the future. And she goes and gets Chris Evans in Hong Kong. And they work together to um, to get this certain special object that the division really wants and it was very entertaining and really beautiful like the the setting they kind of they fall into the trap that i think a lot of western movies that take place in asia do where they have cast a lot of white actors and they're in hong kong so it's kind of like yeah they they sure are hiding from the american government and there is the like muscle bound like blonde white chris evans <laughs> walking through this crowd of chinese people he's riding really well but uh aside from they actually had some cool some cool villains that in that area but i wish they had had more asian main characters because that would make sense wouldn't it uh although um what's her name who's in agents of shield she's in it and she's fantastic and i'm gonna actually look her up later but whatever um so yeah silly a bit of a mess of a plot but very beautiful and a riotous good time cool the movie push reviewed by simone de rochefort okay uh steven what about you um so i've been playing altogether too much smite <laughs> have either of you played smite before no, i haven't I'm not really. I'm not. Are you aware of its yes, existence? Yes, I'm very much aware of its existence because my husband, my husband's a huge league player, and uh, you know I am familiar with the MOBA genre. So, so yes, I know what it is, but I have not played it. How, how about you, Simone? I have not. I'll I'll give the elevator pitch. Um, and I say this, um. I was also not a MOBA person. I tried Dota. I tried League. They drove me insane. Part of it was that the community was terrible, um, and I just couldn't. I just. I just couldn't do it. Um, the advantage to Smite is that it is on the Xbox One. And since it's on the Xbox One, that means you don't need to have the chat open, which means you can literally play it as a single player game where there happen to be other like people around you, um, which I, I like I just don't even play with a headset on. I just play by myself. The idea of Smite is it is the battleground of the gods. They basically take characters from various Greek Roman mythology, you know, Incan Chinese, and now they're actually adding Japanese mythology um, in, and they create MOBA characters out of them, and it's standard MOBA in that there's lanes and there's creeps and all that stuff. The difference is that it's told from like a third-person action uh, perspective, so it really scratches my World of Warcraft PvP itch, like, big time, which, as, I, I, I don't know, I, I'm, a I'm a recovering World of Warcraft addict, um, and so this gives me like, exactly what I want. Um, in a lot of cases, um, and they've recently added a number of new gods that are super enjoyable to me. So I've just been hopping in like they they specifically in this year, they're adding new a new pantheon. They're specifically hopping into Japan um, because I hadn't had any Japanese gods yet. And so they added Amaterasu, who my son was super confused why she wasn't a white wolf. That was an awkward discussion. Um, and, you know, literally yesterday they just announced a new god of thunder. So they and they they framed it as all the thunder gods, you know, like all eight of them having like this big royal rumble. Um, which is funny. It's just really good. You know, I mean, it's, it's neat. Uh, you can play it on a controller and I, I it's, 
it's it, it, for a PvP game, it's actually somewhat relaxing. Um, the only problem is that the female characters, holy crap. I've seen them. That's actually my only knowledge of Smite, is looking at the character models and going, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Like, I, there are times where I am actually, I have, I I would not, um, Hi-Rez Studios did give me a code for the game, so full disclosure, I did not pay for it. However, um, I have spent actual dollars to buy skins for my favorite characters, so... I did not see their boobs. <laughs> um, my favorite character is, uh, her name is Nuwa. She is a Chinese god, and her costume consisted of a ribbon oh that god. wrapped around her body. Now, from behind, it's actually not so bad. <laughs> Because she has these like crystal things that kind of float around and like it's really not like you're too busy shooting fireballs to really pay attention. But like when you're in a victory pose or when you're dying or things like that, like I'm like, girl, put some clothes on. Yeah, I'm looking it up. That's uh, that's a <laughs> lot going on there. But what's cool is they most of them have most of the female characters that are hypersexualized and this isn't making it better but from my perspective they have alternate skins that you can buy where they wear clothes so Nuwa actually has a space suit like where she's like for, like in space so she wears like a space suit and it's funny it's funny cuz she's got like you know like planets flying around her hand so i spent money to have a more respectable costume i shouldn't really have had to but i i mean it's it's their art they can do what they want yeah. and you do what you got to do yeah I do what I got to do because I have a nine-year-old boy who is, yeah. you know, growing up. Um, and so the uh, and I do what I got to do. And frankly, I think the spacesuit costume is better. But I, the yeah, man, they've actually I've, I've I tried to look it up. There's a whole bunch. Of, they've gotten a lot of flack mm-hmm. for their characters. League and Dota don't necessarily have the same problem in that their characters are also kind of highly, you know, they do that thing too, but the characters are relatively small, so there's no detail. These characters are huge, and I'm playing it on a massive television, so, like, she probably, I mean, she's she's like a per- person size, depending yes. on what angle I'm looking at, so I need to be super careful. But, I mean, if I can get past that with a costume or just playing a dude... Um, or like a giant beetle monster <laughs> that pushes the sun around, like because I can get around it. And my sons all play male characters. Is the beetle wearing clothes? Are we exploiting <laughs> the beetles here? Um, I didn't even really check. You can't see the business end of that beetle because he's too busy. It's it's Kepri, the Egyptian god of the sun that pushes the sun through the underworld. He's a giant dung beetle. <laughs> That's hot. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother. I'm not gonna bother him. Um, he do, they did put out a new skin where he's a giant robot though. I pretty much like that one. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's so cool to find a game like that that you can that you can come back to and like just enjoy playing like as the thing that you sink into at the end of the day it's a good find yeah and that you know that space is is kind of heating up too with the third person on the console thing with the uh gigantic is going to be one of those and battleborn so there are a few other one of those coming up so we'll see i played both of them yo you played gigantic I played Gigantic at PAX Prime. I played both of them. I thought Gigantic was really, really fun. I uh, tried to do some stuff in the beta and that wasn't working. So, But what I played at PAX is really fun. With Gigantic, is it more action? Like with this one, you're kind of moving and it's just kind of it's it's basically MOBA controls, right? Like you're moving with your WASD and, you know, you're just activating abilities with that one. Is there more aiming involved? Yeah, it's like- more like straight up like 3D action gameplay. 
So, you know, you've got your... Like Tomb Raider. Yeah, so you've got, you know, your cl- different classes do different things. Obviously, there's a ninja person who's like complete melee. You've got some robot people who are shooters. and um, But yeah, that, I had a lot of fun with that one. And I think it's because just the classic MOBA isn't really interesting to me. So uh, they, they keep, it keeps getting delayed. It was supposed to come out last year. But I, I really hope that it comes out soon. Um, maybe I can take a trip over to Motika and have them show me something they have actually offered that up i just haven't gotten around to doing it dude do it yeah i know you've been playing i have been playing baba yaga the house of the witch the which is the dlc for tomb raider rise of the tomb raider it is very very cool usually i don't do dlc because they're kind of silly but this is a completely different well not completely different sort of worked in story which is is awesome. One thing that they do really well is is their stories. And the thing that I like about this one is it brings in more kind of supernatural type stuff, which was in the original Tomb Raider. Um, whereas Rise of the Tomb Raider, you're basically just fighting against like military-ish type people. There's no like really any stuff like that going on. Um, but this one is really cool. Like you're going and seeing a witch uh, who is in a house that walks. Like it's just, um, it's really creepy. And you've got like certain plants that make you hallucinate and all kinds of stuff going on there. I haven't finished it yet, but I love what I've seen so far. And, uh, and then always, always Hearthstone. Uh, you know, Anna, I don't think I've said this before, but Anna has started sitting and watching me uh, play Hearthstone and then doing all the little things that you can play with on the on the sides of yeah, the yeah touching like the houses <laughs> yes. and stuff yes um her favorite one is um in the uh goblins and gnomes one there's there's this little machine that you you can turn on the levers and then you hit a button and this machine will like close for a minute with all this electricity and it'll pop down and it will have created something and some of the things that show up in the machine are just uh, they're chuckly funny to me but they are absolutely hilarious to her <laughs> like a flopping fish she's like fish you know or a banana or something like that (laughs) she just loves that it's 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 really funny that's cute Um, yeah okay well i think that's going to wrap it up for this week thanks so much for listening if you have questions comments or feedback you can send those to hello at pixelkin.org you can find us on twitter at pixelkin underscore org and at gaming with moms Steven, what's your Twitter? The best Twitter to reach me at is at EF Gaming. That would be E Engaged, F Family, G Gaming. (laughs) Yeah, at EF Gaming. Awesome. Nice. And you wanted to plug your other stuff that you got going on go for yeah, it i was ho- i was hoping to so as said at the top of the podcast i am the editor-in-chief and founder of engagedfamilygaming.com i am also the host of engage a family gaming podcast has have either of you sensed a theme that i like to use the same words over and over again um you pick it you find a good one you gotta stick with yeah. it that's how i roll and engage is just south of uh industry buzzword um so the uh so our podcast goes up every monday we alternate board games and video games I haven't done it yet, but eventually I'm going to get either Simone or Nicole on there to hang out with us for our video game podcast, um, because why not? <laughs> and, you know, we'll, we'll be all nerdy and stuff. Um, also, when you're if you have questions about any of the things we've talked about here, if when you're done emailing hello at pixelkin.org, you can also head on over to engagefamilygaming.com slash community and join our uh, Facebook community, which Nicole has done. I don't think Simone has because I didn't think I mentioned it to her yet. And we can all talk about it there. Awesome. So 
and you can find us on Facebook. We don't have a group on Facebook like Stephen does, but you can read about all our stories and cool things like the Lego Marvel Avengers contest that is going on right now. Uh, the Simply Pixelkin. And then you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, uh, Gaming with the Moms. You can follow us there. If you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave a review. We would love that. If you're listening to us on Overcast, you can uh, recommend individual episodes via Twitter. Um, and we hope that you will do that as well. And finally, we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash pixelkinorg. There's some great stuff up there. And we hope that you'll look at that as well. So thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back with you next week.